Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. My God, for just a second, you might not like feel like it this morning, but guess what? He's always worthy of all praise, all affirmation, all accolade. Let's give Jesus a little bit of a shout. I realize you lost an hour of sleep, but we're here. Hey, can we welcome the Plaza location? Come on, let's say hello to our church family. Those at Lansing Correctional Facility, we love you. Brothers in blue. Anyone watching online? Spring forward, they say. Like it's a positive thing. I know there's a law going through. They're trying to pass to get rid of daylight savings time. I 100% endorse that law. And that's about as political as I'm going to get today. Everybody good? Great. Come on, you grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Phenomenal as always. Uh, interesting um, anniversary today. Today, this Sunday, marks the one-year mark when many churches like ours went offline or I mean, not in the room, but online only. Uh, what we thought was just a short season became a long season, a season that we're still in in many ways. Some, some people still at home and uh, I had no condemnation or, or judgment on that. Uh, I, I am grateful to get to gather in the room. I'm grateful to be able to worship and the freedom that we do have. But it's been a year, and that is an understatement. How many know it's been a year? People in isolation, stuck at home, all sorts of insecurities, financial hardship, and uh, put on top of that the, the injustices and the, the political divide, the animosity at an all-time high, but yet God has a church and God has a message and God has a mission right in the middle of all the mess of this world. I mean, no, God has a plan and we get to be involved and God has more for you than just coming back to church or just watching online more than just receiving for yourself. In fact, if all God wanted was a relationship with you, uh, the moment you gave your heart to him, he would have brought you home to be with him forever. But he's left us in the here and now intentionally it's on purpose because he knows that through the church, that's you and me. That's not Hillsong Church or churches around the city or world. No, it's through the people of God that he fulfills the purpose of God, which is to bring the message of Jesus's grace to the whole world around us. So guess what that must mean? If the message of Jesus and his grace is what changes us, then that's what changes the world. And so you're a world changer. That's why you're here. That's why you're a believer. That's why we gather together to touch heaven and to change the world. And so you need to be believing bigger for your life. There are people you're called to minister to. There's lives you're called to touch. There's people you're called to reach. There's opportunities that we steward and give towards, like even Color Conference. that saw 11 women come alive to Jesus in just this weekend already. There's things that we get the divine privilege of being a part of that are greater than you know. In fact, if all God wanted from you was a relationship, he would have brought you home. And we're not just called to stay here and just be Christians. Like your life needs to consist of more than just Christian music on the radio and Chick-fil-A. Come on. God has ordained this time and space for the church to rise up and to carry his grace to the broken world around us. It's time that we unlock that Christ in us, Christ in me, the Christ in you, the hope of glory, the, 
the, the, the mission and the message that matters the most comes through us. So we got to cultivate that character of Christ, that culture of Christ, and let us be changed. Jesus, Jesus is always kind of Jesus in two parts. He's human and he's God. He's humanity. He's divinity. He's also grace and truth. Those, fi- those find their completion in the person of Jesus. In fact, that's what it says about Jesus. John chapter one, this poetic beginning of the gospel of John says the word, it's talking about Jesus, that Jesus, the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. So he's flesh, he's person, and he's the glory of God who came from the father. And this is what he is. If you want to sum up Jesus, he's full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. I definitely think this last year, there's been such a fight or battle for what is true, what is not true. Uh, There's a lot of fact-checking out there. There's a lot of fake news out there. There's a lot of opposing arguments. But above all that, there's the highest truth of all. It's the truth of God's incredible love for His people. And that truth didn't love us from a distance. It came and made us dwelling among us. And so Jesus is truth, full of truth, but he's also full of grace. And we, as the people of God, we wrestle in the tension between the truth that, hey, we all need a savior. We're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. And yet the truth is people need Jesus, but they find Jesus through what? The grace of God that is demonstrated through our lives. So we don't just fight for truth. No, we live in the truth. We love the truth, but we leverage the grace of God that we've so freely received. We give that to the world around us. Truth and grace hold hands and they walk in Jesus. And the mission of Jesus is far too important for anyone to be on the sidelines trying to hold on to your own truth or just receive grace for yourself. No, we need you in the game, filled with the truth of God, filled with the love of God, bringing the grace of God to the world around us and celebrating the one year of the pandemic, a respiratory virus, all the injustices, all the animosity. I just want to speak for a few moments. A simple message on grace, but I think it has two sides to it as well. Both you here, maybe this is the cool dichotomy of our church, is there people that are brand new to faith or have never said yes to Jesus are in every single service that we gather. And yet also we've been seeing, especially over the last few years, people who've been following Jesus for a while have joined into this family. There's two parts. There's a grace that you might need to receive today. And there's also a grace you might need to give today. And I think with all the life that's been sucked out of the last 12 months, I want to speak simple, simple message called breathe again. How many just need to take a fresh breath? How many just need to exhale the last 12 months? And just breathe back in the grace of God. Get a little reset in our hearts and our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's never forget how good God is, how good the good news, the gospel about what he's done for us. Let's just breathe for a moment and receive again. And then that way, as we breathe in the grace of God, we can breathe out the grace of God on the world around us. Would you join me in prayer? Come on, even those online on the plaza, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is truth. It always points us to who Jesus is, what he has done, and what that means for us. Lord, we do not need more biblical knowledge. We need your wisdom to walk in this world and to live our lives the way that Jesus has called us to. 
Lord, every single one of us need more of your grace and your grace is an ample supply. And all of us need to be those that bring reconciliation to the world around us. We need to be agents of change, agents of grace to a dying world. Lord, help us breathe in fresh and new that we are not saved by how good we look or how good we act. The finished work of the cross has completed our salvation. And in the same way, we will build a bridge with the world around us so your grace can breathe on them fresh and new in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that the North, the Plaza, uh, online, Lansing Correctional are all filled with life today. They lost an hour of sleep, but the devil has been defeated. Lord, would you give us back double for our shame in Jesus' name? Amen. I only say that because they're really quiet up here in the North. I know the Plaza is a rowdy crowd, so I know you're with me. Without, I got real, now everyone's offended. It took me roughly, roughly three minutes to offend everyone. It's a highly offensive cancel culture that lives in our world. I'm canceling your animosity today, so you, I'll fight back. You know, you can live about three minutes without air before you pass out. And without breath, you don't have a voice. But without grace, for just one second, you don't have a chance. Have we forgotten how good the grace of God is, how much that we need it? Maybe there's places and portions of our life we haven't added the grace of God. We're still holding on to uh, issues and sin cycles and struggles. And yet grace walks with truth. They are not at war with each other. They find their completion in Christ. We need this grace. It is the breath of God, as we just sang and declared. It's your breath in our lungs. We need that fresh wind of the grace of God, and it is what fuels our future and the fullness of our calling. In fact, everything changed when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross. He, Jesus declared, it, it is finished, and, and he exhaled that moment. Everything, everything changed. Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath, and then gave up his spirit. The final breath of Jesus, the Bible said, didn't just have ramifications spiritually, uh, but it also something happened naturally, that the earth began to shake, that things begin to change, that there was a, a curtain in the Holy of Holies in the temple that was rent in half. It was, it was split in two, and, and it was both a spiritual moment and a natural moment that said the grace isn't just in Jesus, it's now released on the earth. And Jesus didn't cancel truth. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled the full requirements. And so that which kept us out of the presence of God, that we were only able to access through a, a, a belief in a sacrifice. Jesus then offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all. And I know this is gospel 101, but we need to start in this place that none of us have a life worth anything apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. But because we've received everything from him now, not, 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 not out of like necessity to prove something, but out of a passion, just like Jesus demonstrated on the cross, we need to breathe out the grace of God to the world around us. And if you're wondering why maybe your life isn't looking like Jesus sometimes, it's because you've forgotten you're called to leverage that gift of grace, not just for yourself, but for the world that's around you. Jesus in that final breath, like the fresh wind of heaven we just sung about, it forever changed the climate between God and man. Now, anybody and everybody that will call out on Jesus can receive that grace for themselves. There's a new covenant. There's freedom from sin, freedom from shame. 
and, and we all have to breathe it in from time to time. In a year that took our breath away, in a year that kept us in isolation, I'm just giving you permission to not try to put on the perfect front of Christianity because you don't hide it very well and we all fail. But just take a moment and exhale all the animosity, all the insecurity, all the frustration of 2020 that's lingered into 2021 and breathe in fresh and new and breathe in deep. There's nothing like a, a, a deep breath that can settle your soul. And the same with breathing fresh and anew, the grace of our God, it can just settle us. Because without breath, we, we're not going to make it very long. Without grace, we're not going to go very far. My daughter, Blair, uh, she just leveled up in gymnastics this last week. I'm really proud of that little tumbler. Um, and, and, and she just, she's in a new class. And this is like moving into like varsity stuff. Like before, they would just run around cartwheels. And now, after they're done with like 50 minutes, 55 minutes of gymnastics training, then they do something they've never done before. And my daughter was like exhausted afterwards. And she came to me afterwards like, Dad, I don't like that conditioner. I thought conditioner was for your hair. I was like, no, baby, that's called conditioning. And they, they, they run laps around at full speed. They have a race. Then they do wall sits. Come on, how many of you have been a while since you've been able to do a wall sit? The wall sits for a minute, and then they do handstands against the wall for 30 seconds. And then when they're down, they're just jumping in place for 30 seconds. Then wall sits again, then handstands, then jumping, then running. And they do this whole thing with the mask on. And all their faces are like beet red. They're exhausted. In fact, one girl literally at the end just like fell over on the mat. She, she was done. Because it exerts a lot of energy. And if you don't have an ample supply of oxygen, you're going to wear yourself out. If you don't learn how good God has been to you and the grace of God, and you're trying to live, trying to serve, trying to give, trying to forgive, trying to make your way in this life without the grace of God, you're going to exhaust yourself. And yet we also know if we just hold in everything to ourselves, and there's never a release that's just as bad as being out of breath because it stays in you a moment. It's an in and it's an outflow. It's the life we receive for us. It's the life that we give to others. Grace works two ways. It's what we receive and it's what we give. Jesus in Matthew 10, he tells us this. He sends the 12, the disciples out. For honestly, this is some varsity level kingdom training. They're praying for the sick. They're healing the leopards. They're casting out demons. And then at the end, Jesus says, hey, I need you to carry. This is what I've been doing on the earth. This is not what I need you to do on the earth. And then closes out with this simple statement that is so powerful. Freely you've received. Now freely you give. Two parts of grace. I wonder how many of us need to receive freely again. The fact that we don't have to earn it. We never could. Didn't deserve it. We just need to receive it. There's some areas of your life you haven't allowed the grace of God to touch yet. You're still working it out by yourself. And then how many of us as believers, maybe those that may be a little seasoned in the faith, been following for a while, have just received so much for ourselves that we haven't extended grace, breathed out on the world around us. You might need to breathe in again, fresh grace for yourself. You need to breathe out the grace of God on this world we're called to reach freely. You've received freely. You must now give. I'm no Bill Nye the science guy. 
Uh, but I understand a little bit how oxygen works, how air works. The air we breathe in is not pure oxygen. There's nitrogen in there. Uh, but as we breathe it in, our body puts the oxygen to work to keep us alive, to keep our lungs filled up, which pumps our heart, that moves blood. In other words, you cannot live very long without that oxygen. But then as we breathe out, we add something to the mix. We add this carbon dioxide. In fact, in this room, if we turned off the air, particularly in the plaza, when it's packed out and the air is not running because we're breathing in and we're taking all the good and we're breathing out just a little bit of carbon dioxide over time, everyone gets real sleepy. Like some of you feel right now. It was one hour of sleep, okay? You're going to make it. But if we, we, I think it's the same thing that happens in church. That we're breathing in the goodness of God. We're breathing in the message of what he's done for us. We're breathing in that I'm blessed, sanctified, highly favored. And yet when we're looking at the world around us, what we're exhaling is maybe not the same thing that we allowed ourselves to breathe in. Why? Because when we breathe it into our natural bodies, it, it's in our flesh and then it comes out and it's a little bit corrupted. The same thing happens in our spiritual hearts as well. If we're just receiving, not realizing that we need to distribute, our flesh gets involved. Our pride gets involved. Our insecurities, our, our superiority complex gets involved. And all of a sudden what we realize, we're actually breathing out toxicity on the world around us. To unlock the Christ in you, you've got to keep breathing in grace. You've got to keep breathing out grace. In John chapter 8, uh, Jesus is disruptive in his teaching. Someone, someone shows up and disrupts the moment. The Pharisees try to trap him in this moment. In fact, a lot of the great Bible stories with Jesus, a lot of miracle stories, a lot of amazing moments happen in disruption. We've just come out of 12 months of disruption. I think, couldn't God just use this through the church, the body of Christ, to do a miracle, to do something meaningful, to do something that matters? It says this in John 8, chapter 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, and early the next morning, he, he was back at it again. He's at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. And Jesus is teaching people that are extremely religiously educated, but when it comes to the things of God, of his spirit, they were very spiritually ignorant. I wonder if many of us don't have an understanding or a theory of grace, but we're actually missing the application. Again, it's freely we receive, freely we give. And in this interruption moment of this woman in a moment of distress and shame, he gives us a masterclass practicum in grace application. As he was speaking, the teachers, verse 3 of religious law, the Pharisees, brought a woman they had caught in the act of adultery. Scandalous. They put her in front of the crowd. And so here is Jesus sitting down. He's teaching. There's the crowd. And they put her in front of the crowd. Between Jesus and the people is this moment of shame. Exposed in her sin. By the way, the spirit of religion will always try to put between you, the people God loves, the people Jesus is leading, speaking to, and, and, and Jesus himself, his presence, try to put between you and Jesus your shame and your struggle. And we'll see for you what, how Jesus deals with that situation as well. Shame. Shame is a secret killer. It's an invisible killer of your calling and your purpose. Some of you carried shame in here today. 
by the grace of God, you might have a long walk towards freedom, but freedom is yours in Jesus name. It's this invisible barrier that we feel in our inside world. And if you're carrying that, you have not breathed in the fullness of the grace of God. A couple months ago, seven, eight months ago, we installed these new glass doors in one of our room. And my dog, our dog cub, when he's bad, he's my dog. When he's good, he's Liz's dog. Um, he didn't know that ignorance is bliss because now with this glass, he can see the squirrels in our backyard that he didn't even know were there anymore. So he's living in a state of perpetual torture because he wants to go out and attack. He, he's a, he's a stone cold killer, that poodle. Um, but he can't. And this is what shame does for us. It locks us up. It makes us, we have a picture of the marriage we want. We have a vision of what other people we think other people have, the freedom that they have, the way they express their worship to Christ, the, 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 the way they love their spouse, the way they're raising their kids, but we know how messed up we are. And yet, so something comes in a dividing door that we can see it, but we can't step into it. And yet Jesus, Jesus says, no, 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 by, by, by grace, you can have everything that the kingdom has for you. You can breathe it in deeply today and your life could be forever changed. So they try to catch Jesus in this moment and this woman's shame as a teacher. They said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against them. How many times have we seen this kind of moment play out in the New Testament? It never works for them. She's being used as a pawn in some sort of scheme. Because if Jesus says no, he loses credibility and says, no, I don't believe in truth. But if he says yes, he's also disobeying civil authority and the Roman rule in that moment. And he could be, he could limit what he was wanting to do there in that moment, that time and space. And this is what we live in. We live in a world of in or out, one or the other. It's either truth or it's grace. I love that we serve a God who gives us always the only option is this third option. It's both. That we don't forsake truth to say grace. And we don't just say grace and eliminate truth. That they find their completion in the fullness of Christ. And guess what? They should find. We're to resemble Jesus on the earth. That should be how we look as well. Pharisees are trying to divide Jesus from divinity and humanity, from who Jesus is and what Jesus cared about. It's what religious voices always try to do is to get people to pick a side. And we've had a year filled with people picking sides. We've had a year with people picking apart other people's positions and viewpoints on things. And yet if we could just all breathe in again, that we've received such a beautiful grace and breathe out that same grace on the world around us, this is the mission of the church. And then the mystery of what Jesus does next, we won't know until we go into eternity. It says Jesus stooped down. I love that, by the way. Just like he did when he was born in the manger, Jesus lifts the high road, uh, uh, the high place of heaven and comes down and dwells with humanity. Jesus stooped down on her level and wrote in the dust with his finger. Scholars, theologians have ideas, but nobody knows what did he write? It's a great Bible ministry, uh, mystery, just like did Adam have a belly button. We'll never know until eternity. 
Some people say he wrote the sins of the men that were in the circle about ready to stone her. Some say he wrote the Ten Commandments to show them this is the highest letter of the law. Uh, I love just the thought that God wrote the Ten Commandments from a high place on a stone and then handed them down to man. And yet Jesus is God coming down to man off uh, of the mountaintop to write in the dust, to be born into the dust, to do life among us. Jesus gets his hands dirty, even on the cross, saving us. It should change the way we look at the world around us. We need that supple heart, like it talks about in Ezekiel 36, that stony, stubborn, religious heart has got to go. I want to give you a heart that's, that, 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 that's tender, that's responsive. Tender and responsive. And if you find yourself judging the world, more than praying and believing for Jesus to reach the world, you might be in need of a heart transplant. You might be in need of a fresh breath of heaven because we do not have to forsake truth to lift up grace and to reach out with grace. Jesus doesn't judge her. Jesus, who could have judged her, doesn't. He gets his hands dirty in liberating her. Verse 7 says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, go ahead, go ahead, stone her. But let those who would have never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Again, we don't know what he wrote. I happen to think he wrote, got him in Hebrew, <laughs> Greek or Aramaic. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Come on, the old heads always know better until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Every accuser gone. Just Jesus and her Savior. Jesus and truth. Truth didn't leave. Truth is still there. Grace is still there as well. It's the embodiment of Jesus. It's the embodiment of the church that we're not pushing away those in desperate need of a God encounter or the grace of God. Truth doesn't have to leave. It can stay standing right in that place. And then Jesus, he steps up to her defense and the old things go away. And Jesus stood up again and said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Interesting note, just another layer and texture deeper into that verse right there. The, the word woman that he uses. Uh, the insight to that word is a term of affection. It's the same way Jesus referred to his mother. In other words, he's saying we're on family terms. This is a woman he never met in her worst season, worst moment of her life, the most scandalous moment, her most insecure moment. And there's truth speaking to her by grace and saying, no, we're in family together. I look at you like you were a member of my very own family. Oh, for the church to grab a hold of this mindset. When people are out there at their worst, even if they have animosity towards you, that you're not shouting at them. No, you're speaking to them because the truth is God's great plan is for every son and daughter to come home to the father. They might not know it yet, but they're called to be family with us. That's the future that God's prepared for them. And yet they're looking to us as representations of Jesus in this world. She answered, no one, sir. Then Jesus says, I also don't judge you guilty. Go and sin 
no more. Did Jesus say truth doesn't matter? Not at all. Jesus had an understanding that at Calvary's cross, in a few short seasons, he, the truth, would be laid open for everyone then to receive the grace of God. In other words, there is a punishment for you, but I'm going to take it upon myself. And then he says, go and sin no more. In other words, go walk in the truth now that you've received the grace. Most New Testament stories that we see uh, are people pursuing Jesus. In fact, after the first few miracles, people are hounding Jesus at every step. The, everywhere he goes, even when he tries to get away for a little bit, people show up in need of help. He's trying to get a little vacay. And the Bible says he's moved with compassion for people and it just goes to serve people, which encourages me and maybe for you that even in a moment of exhaustion, it's still an opportunity to bring an expression of grace and truth for the people around us. But people are always pursuing Jesus. Zacchaeus is climbing a tree to try to see Jesus. The woman who, who was, was an outcast uh, because of her medical condition, she risked it all and reached in to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Think about the friends of the crippled man that, that literally tore the roof off to make a room and a place to get him close to Jesus. But this woman was actually forced into the presence of Jesus. And, and for me, I, I just take a moment, if I could digress just for a second, I think some of us that grew up in church, listen, like I did, I'm a missionary's kid, a pastor's kid. I'm grateful for my heritage and my, my amazing parents are watching right now. Mom and dad, I love you. See you soon. <laughs> we grew up in this. So this message sometimes for us that have been, if you will, forced, by the way, always bring your kids to Hillsong Kids because they're not just being babysat and taught a little Bible lesson. They're awakening up to Christ and becoming the world changers that they're called to be. We're building the next generation of those that are going to impact the world and bring a greater revival. I believe that's what's happening. And yet when we grow up in it or forced into it, we become so familiar with it. We don't realize how beautiful sometimes we don't value the gift of grace because we've heard about it all of our lives. And just maybe today you just need a fresh perspective of what he's done for you. What does Jesus do? Jesus gives grace instead of guilt. Guess what? So should we. So should we. When you try to force change on someone by revealing how far they're missing it, what you're trying to do is carry the calling of the Holy Spirit. That is not for you to do. Now, I'm all for speaking the truth in love, but what's the truth? The truth is what Jesus has already done for them. That's the message and the mandate that we carry as a church. And so what do we give? We give grace instead of guilt. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the job of the church. Our job is to love. Our job is to serve. Our job is to live exemplary so they can see how good it is to follow God with all your heart. Our job is to worship with passion. Our job is to keep trusting in the midst of adversity. Our calling is to keep going when it isn't easy because the world is looking for a resiliency that they don't have. But that's the grace of our God. And so we need to step in and bring peace to those trapped in sin. Hebrews 4 verse 13 Right of Hebrews says, nothing in all of creation can hide from him. Guess what? You're exposed. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He sees everything. And when he sees you, even the things you act like aren't a hang up for you anymore, he sees you. He sees you and he still loves you. He sees you in truth, where you're really at. 
but he also sees you through grace, the finished work of the cross. And we can deny it. We can try to hide it. Some people try to focus on it, try to fix it all themselves. You maybe can explain it away, but we have the opportunity because we have grace to confess it. Go face to face with Jesus. And as a church, we do not try to hide sin. We don't try to hide even our own hangups. No, no, we highlight the saving power of Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus didn't come in proclaiming hell is on the horizon. No, he kept saying the kingdom of heaven is near. God is closer than you think. Help is on the way. Grace is here for you now. We, 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 all we need to do is keep pushing people towards the grace of God. And guess what? When they have a taste of his goodness, then they're going to want to align themselves with this truth. Because the truth will lead them into God's best for their life. So what does Jesus do? He brings salvation instead of shame. As a church, so should we. We should be breathing out salvation. We should never be breathing out accusation and shame. Let's be the people that drop the rocks. And the wisest ones, the oldest ones in the group are the ones that do it first. This has nothing to do with age. This has everything to do with humility. That the more you realize what you've been saved from and what you've been called to, the quicker you are to release your, 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 your desire of self-righteousness to try to put down or attack somebody else. I love how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, who am I to judge people outside the church? In other words, Paul, the great apostle, what a life he lived on mission. What adversity he went through. And he says, I'm not here to judge people that say they don't belong yet. I'm here to love those people. I'm here to reach those people. I'm not here to roll my eyes and click my tongue at someone else's sin that's not a part of this family of faith. No, I'm here to reach them. This is my mission. This is my message. I've realized in my life, the older I get, the more God's word I get, the more people things I get to walk through, the quicker I am to drop stones. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect in this. I can get back into self-righteous preacher mode real quick. The quicker I drop the rocks, the more free my hands are to point people to Jesus. The quicker my mouth gets rid of all accusations, empty of accusations, the quicker I can tell them about the grace of God that has accepted them and has saved me. In Romans 5, it says we've restored to what? A friendship with God. That's how we're, that's what grace does. It gives us this closeness to him. Everyone in this world, everyone is carrying some place of shame. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you do not have to carry it anymore. Jesus doesn't accuse. Jesus comes to liberate and set you in a new direction. And so our mission and our message is that you need to change. No, it's you need to receive Jesus. You need grace in your life. And that will change you from the inside out. It's not just come to church. No, there's a family to belong to. And we're to make each other better. We know that forgiveness comes from heaven. And when we sin, we're faith, we confess our sins to God. He's faithful to forgive us. But we know that healing happens in community. This is why you need friends of your future, people of the faith to walk alongside you because we confess our sins to one another and we pray. And God does a healing in that place, the book of James says. Jesus replaces our mistakes, your mistakes, with your next move. This is where truth comes in. He says, you get to go from here. You are not stuck in this shame. You are not stuck in this sin. You are free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But you cannot stay here anymore. You need to go from this place. Would this woman have more sin in her life and her future? Yes. Guess what? All of us do because Jesus has raised the standard to a level we cannot fulfill apart from him. 
It says it's not even about adultery anymore. It's about a lustful thought. It's not even about murdering someone. It's about anger in your heart towards someone. This is why we have to keep breathing in grace because we're always going to miss it. But guess what? It doesn't have to stop our forward progress because Jesus raised the standard and he fulfilled the standard. And now he fills us with his spirit. It is a spirit of grace and it's a spirit of truth that we get to walk into this world with our shoulders back, not in our own righteousness, but that we're right with God because of the cross. And when we breathe out on the world, it's the aroma of heaven that entices them in to the same relationship that changed us from the inside out. This week I was driving to work um, on Ward Parkway and there's that part of work partway where it's like a speed trap. I think it's downhill both ways and it goes down to like two miles an hour. Um, and there was like a brand new police cruiser there, like a mean looking one. You know, when you're in trouble, police are your best friend. When you're speeding, you know, like you're, <laughs> you get that conviction, condemnation real quick. And I was beyond what I would call the, I was out of the danger zone. I was in the danger zone. Like, you know, 10, 12. Okay, I'll tell the truth in church. It's going about 13, 14 miles an hour over them. Father, forgive me. I've fallen short of your glory. And I, I was done. Like, I'm just thinking, okay, this is going to hurt the wallet. This is going to hurt the insurance premium. Um, I, I'm in trouble. And for whatever reason, I just, I kept going. And they didn't pull me over. And I was like, God, you must have blinded the eyes and spared your, because I have the Lord's work to do the God card. And what did I do after that? Did I, did I speed up because I got away with it? No. When I saw that I was out of alignment with authority, uh, I slowed down. I came back to the safe place. Ultimately, it's about my protection. That's the way the ways of God, the word of God are all there to lead you into a better life, a life in fullness, a life that matters, a life of significance with a healthy marriage, raising beautiful children. Uh, reaching the world around you, even working under the Lord, achieving your dreams and your desires, even in your career. That's what the Word of God, that's what the truth always points us to. And so when we realize we are missing it, we don't ramp up our speed. We come back into alignment. We go on, but we don't, well, don't sin anymore. We don't floor it to get away. Why? We have a reminder that we're out of line. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. It corrects us and then redirects us back to more grace. Doesn't say, grace doesn't say, you can't judge me. God's covered me. No, you deal with the plank in your own. I know it investigates the heart and it exposes where you need to change. It does not leave you in the dust. It reaches in your down point, just like Jesus did and lifts you up and reminds you, I can judge you, but I don't judge you. You can go from this place. You don't need to return to this place. I've got a future for you. You can keep moving forward. That's the grace of God. There is some truth if we're not aligning our life with. We keep staying in a, a cycle of staying stuck or a cycle of sin. I do not think it will limit you from heaven, but it will li uh, limit you from bringing heaven to earth. And this is why we walk in obedience to God's word. This is why we choose to forgive when it doesn't feel good. This is why we love to serve. This is why we love to give because it just aligns our hearts more with his truth by his grace, not our works so that the work that we do together can be more efficient and can be more effective. God is not looking for perfect people. He already found one. It was Jesus. He's looking for people that are passionate about the perfect one. He's looking for passionate people. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, it's a reverberation of an Old Testament passage. No eye has seen, 
no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared. He has prepared something better for you, for those that love, love him. Maybe you've lost your passion for the grace of God and the world around us because you've lost your perspective a little bit. Jesus tells the story of a person who lost perspective. Luke chapter 7, it's the parable of the two debtors. They both owed a debt. One owed it to the kingdom, to the king. It was probably millions. And he couldn't pay it. And the king, in his mercy, let him off the hook. He says, you're a free man. Your debt's been canceled. Go and live your life. Go forward from here. And yet, immediately after leaving the throne, he sees someone who owes him a few bucks and prosecutes him to the full extent of the law. When the king's officials saw that what this guy had done, the one who had been left off the hook of so much, tried to hold someone on the hook for so little, he brings them back in and he's got to pay the full amount. It's a perspective problem. Do you not realize you have been set free and forgiven for every failure, for every mistake, not just once in your yesterday, but for your forever? The king has let us off by his grace completely. He paid the price himself. He didn't just cancel the debt. He fulfilled the debt fully. And in the same way as a church, we got to keep breathing in grace and breathing out grace. We cannot hold things against people in hostility. We've got to let it go. And in this way, we create a healthy cancel culture. We start canceling out the offenses other people have that we have towards someone else. Let's cancel out our high view of ourselves, and realize all of us would be that woman trapped in the dust of our own sin if we didn't have a Savior that came down to our level. We've received grace. We can walk forward in truth. And guess what? We know the truth does set us free, but we've been set free to bring freedom to other captives, other people in harm, other people in hurt, other people in heartache. There are people for you to reach. Grace has a face. It's Jesus. And guess what? Jesus is seen through God's people. You are a representation of grace to the world around you. Grace has a place. It's the house of God where you can come as you are with all of your hangups. And we're not overlooking your issues. We're looking to the heart of the issue is that you need more Jesus. You need more grace in that place. And once you receive and breathe in the fresh new beginning with Jesus Christ, some of that old toxicity, you can exhale out. You don't have to carry that any longer. And grace has a response. It's worship unto God and it's work for the will of God so that everyone on the earth would know the goodness of God. We have people to reach. It's Easter season. It is a time for us to breathe in in a world of separation and isolation, of a world of injustice and persecution, of a world of pain and problems. There is a solution. It's Jesus and he has a church. He's got you. He's got me. And we're in this thing together. So let's breathe in in deep the goodness of our God. Let's breathe in deep the freedom from our sins. Let's breathe in deep. Our debts have been canceled. And let's breathe out worship. Let's breathe out love. Let's breathe out the spirit of evangelism on the world around us. Because the people in your neighborhood, the people in your workplace, the people in your life, they need the grace that you've received freely. You've received. Now freely let us give. Grace has a response. You got to receive it for yourself and you got to give it to the world around you. Why you stand your feet if you're not on the plaza as well? I want to pray for you. I'm going to take a moment of worship. 
And I want to pray, but first, before we pray, we're going to pray for people to receive grace of Jesus for the first time or to come back home to him in just a moment at both locations. But I want to pray for you. If you've been like breathing in for yourself, in other words, you have a salvation, you have a relationship, but there's been a lot of animosity, toxicity. There's been a lot of negativity coming out towards the world or maybe just towards one person in your world. And we're going to release that by faith right now. It's not yours to carry. You've received so much, so now we give, freely give. Let me pray for you. Pause and stay tuned in for one moment. Father God, I thank you for everyone here. I believe by your Holy Spirit, everyone watching online, everyone on the plaza, I believe you're highlighting an area of many of our hearts and lives where we've received grace for ourselves, but we've not given it to somebody else. Or just maybe we've looked around at the chaos and the brokenness of the sinful world, and we've looked at it through the lens of judgment. But God, that's not how you look at us. So would you give us a, 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 a prescription change in our viewpoint of humanity that we do not look to judge, we look to love. We know that we're carriers of the message that liberates the most captive person. So Lord, I thank you as you have set us free, we're choosing to set others free. We're not holding offense against someone else. No, we're breathing out forgiveness and we're breathing out grace. Lord, forgive us of ever thinking this is something to keep to ourselves. The message of Jesus is too important for us to hold on to our own hearts. Lord, change our hearts where there's been a rock hard heart. Would you give us a supple, tender heart? Would you help us begin to see the world as you see the world? And would you help us serve the world as you have served us? Lord, we thank you in this moment of worship that we're entering in. You're going to set us free. We're going to worship because our response to grace is adoration of how good you've been and will continue to be in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name.